Log Talk Radio. of BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. It is 29 minutes before the hour. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BAMAMag.com, and I'm joined, as always, by producer Thomas Watson in the studio with Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We'll be joined very shortly by AlabamaIntel.com's Drew Diamond, who I had a chance to be on with earlier today on his show on 97.7 The Zone up in Huntsville. And as you can probably imagine, our main topic of conversation, after Thomas, Drew, and myself all went on a soapbox-type rants last Thursday night, Bill Battle, Director of Athletics at the University of Alabama, announced Sunday that sixth-year basketball coach Anthony Grant is not going to be retained and a national search is on for his successor. After Drew joins us, we'll talk about some candidates, but... Uh, Thomas, I know you had a chance to watch the NIT victory Tuesday night over Illinois, and you and Drew and I were all three scratching our heads, uh, wondering who is this team that scored 46 points in the first half. Uh, you said it. You couldn't have said it better. Yourself. I couldn't have better said it my better myself. Obviously, I'm a little frazzled. It was another midterm. I was shocked, happily shocked, I'm, I, I want to say, though. So, does it mean that the players played above their heads? I know that Coach Brennan said that they played for something bigger than themselves, which is potential, possible, but that, that kind of underscores to me the reason that Anthony Grant needed to go. I, I mean, yes, Illinois wasn't a – they didn't dance. They didn't, they didn't get into the NCAA tournament. But Alabama just choke-slammed that team in the first half. It was – it was just excellent basketball. It was the best basketball I've seen out of an Alabama basketball team maybe easily in a couple of years. But, that, that again, that just underscores how much Anthony Grant needed to go because those kids playing at their talent level, they're a pretty good team. And they seem to be playing like a boulder had been, had been removed from their shoulders. There were Yes, the NIT is experimenting with a shorter Shot clock of only 30 seconds compared to the 35 being used by everyone else. But it never even really went 30 seconds for Alabama. People that had open shots, uh, even if there were three-pointers, began to take them without hesitation, and confidence began to build. And uh, that just led to more intense defense. And, yes, uh, I think we can all agree that Illinois played like it really, really didn't want to be there in the first half. They were supposed to be the host team. And they had to travel because of renovations on their coliseum. They knew this before they ever accepted a bid. But 
Uh, but Alabama, as a sixth seed, hosted and destroyed them. Uh, had four guys in double figures, 20 from Levi Randolph, 19 from Rodney Cooper as the two seniors led the way. And uh, Drew was able to actually come down there and cover the game with me. His first time to ever see a Bama game as a media member. And the neat thing about the NIT, Thomas, is that uh, after the game is over, you are given access to the Alabama locker room rather than waiting till media relations brings the player or players of their choice into the main room where the coaches speak. So we got to go in there and talk to whoever we wanted to. Uh, I got to speak to a couple of uh, former BAMS guests, Justin Coleman and, and Devin Mitchell. Uh, I also spoke with Rodney Cooper and Levi Randolph and even Retina Bossahan, who played one of his better games. It seemed as though uh, Illinois had no answer for Retton every time he drove the lane. Now Alabama has to go on the road for a game Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern, of course, as they travel to play the University of Miami in a second-round NIT game, again led by interim head coach John Brandon. Uh, as we continue to wait for Drew to join us, uh, I just texted him. Hopefully he'll be with us shortly. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and, and tell you the lineup for tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined at around 6 o'clock by J.J. Jackson, the head coach of Carver-Montgomery, uh, the 6A state champion this year, actually a two-time state champion. Uh, who I have covered both as a player at Alabama when he transferred and played two years and as a head coach. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about his player that has already signed with Alabama, Brandon Austin, a 6'5 guard slash small forward. He played very well and was actually named MVP of the 6A state tournament when Carver won it. So we'll hear from J.J. at 6, and I'm talking central time here. And at 7 central, we'll hear from Paige Hockman, who is both the mom of uh, Alabama center fielder Georgie Salem of the baseball team and the uh, owner, along with her husband Roy, of Asian Rim Restaurants, which have locations in Birmingham and Huntsville. Uh, Paige and her, her husband, and they're great friends of the show, so she'll be joining us uh, at 7 o'clock Central tonight. She's been uh, basically to almost every single game that's been played this year. Uh, by Alabama, so she can kind of give us an update on that. So that's the lineup of guests tonight. But in the meantime, uh, if you would like to call and ask a question for any of the hosts, the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline for BAMS Radio is uh, area code 714-510-3707. Again, that number, I'll say it more slowly, 714-510-3707. 3707. Uh, that's the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline for BAMS Radio, and that's if you're listening live from 530 to 7:30 Central Time. Uh, also, speaking of Big Heads Barbecue, uh, they will be catering once again the BAMS Radio tent and uh, A Day on Saturday, April 18th. Big Crimson White scrimmage there at Bryant Denny. And uh, to find out more about Big Heads Barbecue, you can go to their website, BigHeadsBBQ.net. Uh, you can also check them out on Twitter at Big Heads BBQ, or uh, you can place a phone call to the owner Chuck Peak at uh, 251-379-0094. They cater private parties, uh, church events, civic events, uh, team events, pretty much anywhere. 10 to 100 people gather and want to eat some barbecue. You can talk to Chuck, and he can hook you up. Uh, so again, give us a call on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline 714-510. 3707. It's been a crazy 
first day today uh, in the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, a lot of upsets. A uh, couple of commuter schools uh, got last-second wins. Uh, I'm talking specifically about UAB and Georgia State. Georgia State is my brother Chris's alma mater. Uh, UAB's been through quite a lot this year athletically, so they got some good news today. Uh, and they will advance to play UCLA, which won on a controversial goaltending on a three-pointer call, the likes of which I've probably never seen. Uh, it did not even look like the shot was going to go in, but uh, they called goaltending regardless, so uh, UCLA advances. Uh, tough, tough, <laughs> tough play to lose the game. Been a crazy first day. Uh, the first day of March Madness, the opening Thursday, is uh, always one of the uh, funnest days of the year. And uh, it has been no exception this year. It looks like the Ole Miss is going down to Xavier. The same Xavier team that knocked off Alabama on the road back in December is eliminating the Ole Miss Rebels as we speak. Uh, so they did win a play-in game up in Dayton, Andy Kennedy and the Rebs, but they are, are heading back to Oxford uh, very shortly. Uh, Kentucky plays later on tonight, uh, as does LSU. And uh, so back to the coaching search situation, uh, Thomas, I, I did a story for one of the websites I work for today where I listed uh, 10 candidates that I thought would be under consideration. And the first guy on my list and the guy that Alabama, I think, wants most of all is Greg Marshall of Wichita State whose team plays Indiana tomorrow, uh, and that is a, a situation where the coach of Indiana is also on that list that I wrote about. Uh, his name is Tom Crean. Uh, Wichita State's coach makes $1.75 million. Uh, the thinking is that Bill Battle can offer him nearly twice that if he's at least willing to listen, and I know that the Alabama Nation hopes that he is, Thomas. Oh, well, absolutely. I think – one of the one of the things that will be interesting to track, and you're going to see it here, and this is this is really going to be the first major coaching hire where the SEC network has started to make it rain on SEC budget, like in the SEC budget. You know, Alabama made thirty some odd million this past year. Like they're 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 operating in the black, so they can go out and back up a Brinks truck, and you're not going to hamstring other sports, I think they need to do it. I mean, as terrible as it sounds, or terrible, yeah, as terrible as it sounds, college athletics is not going to stay on the amateur model for much longer. They're just not. So while you can do it, turn it into an arms race. You know, that's – why do you think Kentucky's paying so much for John Calipari? Or, Duke, you know, Mike Krzyzewski makes a ton of money as the Duke head coach. So turn it into an arms race. Turn it into a bidding war. You know, is it bad that you'll be kind of holding down the mid-majors? Yeah, but they make a ton of money anyway. They make a ton of money off the NCAA tournament if any of their schools make it in there. So I hope that Bill Battle, with his extensive business background, realizes that Alabama can do this thing because of a bunch of financial windfalls that are coming their way, and then, therefore, they must do this thing. That, that's, that's where I am with the whole Greg Marshall or anyone else, quite honestly. Right, and that, and that list also includes, as I said earlier, Tom Crean of Indiana. It includes Ben Howland, uh, formerly of UCLA, who would command around $3 million. 
Uh, it includes Shaka Smart of, uh, you know, BCU, uh, who replaced Anthony Grant there. He's making under $2 million now. Uh, it looks like we're joined now by Drew the Armand of uh, Armand Intel. Uh, Breathing. He just got done running the 10K, and he was able to stop in. And uh, join us, Drew. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we, we're, we have Drew the Armand live now. And, Drew, we've been talking about the uh, coaching search for Alabama basketball, and, and, and the theme seems to be so big. So first, you know, like Marshall, Smart, Halvin, people like that, and Tom Crean, and uh, maybe even Archie Miller, and make them tell you no. And I believe that's the same kind of thing here. No, no doubt about it. Um, I, I don't – I have – However, I don't think Ben Howland is going to be at Alabama. I think if that had happened, it would have uh, it could have it would have already it would have already been in the. I think you would have already started hearing heavy speculation. I could be wrong there. I don't think it'll be Ben. I don't think it'll be Rick Stansberry. Uh, obviously, uh, he's campaigning with a lot of boosters and Bill Battle trying to get the job. And talked to an AAU coach yesterday who guaranteed that he would get X player at Y player, you know, if he was at Alabama and knew all the right people. But the bottom line, as we've seen today, gentlemen, is uh, you have to be able to coach a little bit in March. And uh, it doesn't really matter how good a talent you have. And we've seen that already with the Big 12 going down in flames. They're flaming out big time. And uh, one other thing we were discussing before you joined us, Drew, uh, was just the fact that at least for the first half, we seem to see a completely different Alabama basketball team in the win Tuesday night over Illinois. No doubt about it. I thought it was the finest performance of the year. Uh, there was a flow offensively. Of course, now you hear the, well, Illinois didn't want to be there, and and obviously uh, and Alabama was on a mission. Well, they were, but it was still a different basketball team, and uh, there was no looking over the shoulder, as you said on my radio show this afternoon. Nobody – uh, hesitating to shoot. Everybody was in rhythm. And then, of course, they defended well. They hustled. Uh, and I felt like they just played basketball. It was it was just reacting and not thinking. And uh, they just there was, I just felt like uh, all the way around, and especially the first half, they just played a tremendous half of basketball and then sustained it in the second. Uh, not There was a 30-second shot clock. There was a couple of uh, shot clock violations, but that was more than pulling the ball out, trying to run clock, trying to – shorten the game somewhat. But if they'd have made free throws, Kerry, they could have been up 40 points. They, they just really played well. They did play well. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring on our first caller of the night from the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. Your friend of mine, the pride of Greenville, Alabama, Colin Big C. McGuire. What is going on, big man? Not much. Other than, um, uh, Iowa State did damage to me. I'm not – participating in a uh, bracket, but I've got a paper, and I wrote down who I think would win, and they they bombed out uh, by, thanks to UAB. Um, that's and William Lee. Uh, I hate to interrupt you, Big C. Uh, William Lee, that's all that needs to be said. If you're an Alabama basketball fan, you can now go to the toilet and throw up. Now, did, where is he? I'm assuming he's from somewhere in the state of Alabama. Selma. He is from Dallas oh, County High School, and uh, he chose the Blazers over Alabama last year. Obviously, his parents grew up Auburn fans, but he did not like Tony Barbie. And Alabama got outworked for William Lee, and 
He's, he was the best player I saw in the state last year. He's somebody in the past that Wimp Sanderson and T.M. Newton would have lived off of. And he reminds me of Robert Ory. Uh, he was clutch today, made the 17-foot shot to put him up 58-57, then gets the block and the rebound and draws the foul, and then hits two more free throws to basically ice it. He's a big-time player, had 14 points as a true freshman on the biggest stage in college basketball. And it's a small microcosm of why Alabama is where they are. Uh, they can't get a guy like William Lee, who you know who would have gone to Auburn if Bruce Pearl were there. You know if, if he had been rolling. And but you know he, you had a chance to get a kid like that because Auburn's program was in the abyss, and your program is supposed to be on the rise, but had lost Trevor Lacey. So you don't get William Lee, and then you don't get Isaac Cos, who's at, at, at Purdue, who's seven one. If you have those two guys, Alabama's basketball team is a lot different. But because of the ineptitude of Anthony Grant's coaching staff, and I'll, I'm, a, I'm even going to stick up a little bit now for John Brannon and Weatherspoon and those guys. I watched them without Anthony Grant look totally different the other night against a quality opponent, whether they wanted to be there or not. I think we saw how controlling Anthony Grant is and uh, how he overcoaches. His staff, I don't think they're great recruiters besides Antoine Vetway, but they might be pretty decent basketball coaches. But they're just working for somebody who, to me, was in over his head at Alabama over a six-year period. All right, let me ask you this question. Y'all, when I uh, came on, y'all were talking about Ben Howland and somebody else. Who were some of these coaches? Y'all, some guy said that he could get X, Y, this from AAU. Who's this coach you said that was trying to get the job oh. at Alabama? Who was he talking about? Uh, Stansberry from Mississippi State. He used to be in Mississippi State, Rick Stansberry. Uh, he won a couple yes. of bitter recruiting battles against Alabama for guys like Mario Lawson and, and Walter Sharp and won them in less than ethical ways. He's now an assistant at Texas A&M, and he helped them bring in a top five class this past fall for their basketball team. He's been begging for the Alabama job through Bill Battle and other channels, including um, basketball boosters, for close to a year now. He wants it really bad. But uh, I would rank him. I put together a list today of 10, 10 candidates, and I had him as number 10. Uh, about the only people I had him ahead of yeah. were, uh, were, were Philip Pearson and T.R. Dunn and uh, people like that. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think he's a realistic candidate, Big C. Uh, I think the person they really want is Greg Marshall from Wichita State. Uh, but I also think they'll take a swing at, uh, at, at somebody like Tom Crean from Indiana or somebody like uh, Archie Miller at Dayton. Uh, there's a lot of big names out there that will listen to the word three million. I agree with Terry, Big C. I think – go ahead. What do you think about Bobby Hurley as a candidate from Buffalo? I, I had him on my list, Drew. He's only been a head coach two years. But, Drew, I think he'd bring a lot of excitement. You can't question the coaching tree between his dad and Coach K. <laughs> oh, I don't question it at all. He – of the mid-major guys, and I don't even—I don't truly consider Greg Marshall one because of the, the, what he's done with Wichita's program. But of the mid-major guys, he would be my top one. Of course, everybody knows I love Duke and I love Bobby Hurley. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But I was very impressed watching his team play, uh, you know, at, at Buffalo in their conference tournament final uh, when they won, when they beat Central Michigan. Uh, he almost beat Kentucky in Rupp Arena this year. Uh, they play a very up-tempo style, very athletic. His dad, Bobby Hurley Sr., is, along with Morgan Wooten, in my opinion, the two greatest high school coaches to, that's ever uh, worked on the high school level. Obviously, Bobby played for Coach K, worked for his brother Danny at uh, 
at, at Wagner in Rhode Island. So I, I just really I think he's a rising star. It's a little dangerous because he's only been a head coach two years, but he's already got his team into March Madness. He doesn't really have any ties to the South, but I think he would do a great job. And you could even hope uh, a little bit to have Christian Leitner coaching the post players maybe. But, uh, you know, I'll say I, I don't think Bobby – he's in my top ten candidates, but I'm, I don't really think they're going to get that low in the search. I think I'll, I'll agree with Kerry. When you're talking three, and I even heard with Greg Marshall, three to $4 million a year, which is going to – make you one of the top five, you know, our top – definitely in the top ten, but I believe one of the top five highest-paid college basketball coaches in America and and really right up there with Billy Donovan in the SEC behind John Calipari, who makes close to $7 million a year, then I think, obviously, uh, you're going to get a great coach. And I think I, I, I love where this search is going. I, I like the fact that they're shooting for the moon. And I, and I think, to be honest – with the Rick, if you're going to go with a guy like Rick Stansberry, who's a recruiter, quote unquote, I would go with Mike Davis over uh, over Rick Stansberry. I know Mike got beaten badly by Arizona today, but he's an Alabama guy. Uh, and I was also told by someone that spoke to Josh Langford's father that if Alabama wanted to guarantee Josh Langford to Alabama, they would hire Mike Davis and John Petty. Now Davis. I've always felt like he could recruit, but I've always questioned his coaching acumen when he was at UAB, when he was at Indiana. But uh, he did come into the state and get D.J. White when he was at Indiana. But, again, I, th- I would like Mike Davis as an assistant. I just don't think he's a great head coach. And when you get to March, no matter how much talent you have, Big C, you have to be able to coach a little bit. And uh, we've seen today teams get upset. I've never been high on Scott Drew as a coach. I've always thought he was just a recruiter. They blew a game down the stretch. Now, Fred Hoiberg is a really good coach, but they got caught by William Lee and, J- and Jared Haas, who's a rising star in the coaching profession. Got to be happy for the Blazers. But, again, I, if, I, if I'm Alabama, I agree with Kerry 100%. You got to shoot for the moon and try to get a great coach like a Greg Marshall. And, Big C, a couple other guys that they'll look at, if they don't get one of those big names we just mentioned, uh, and one, another one would be Shaka Smart at, at VCU. But uh, Michael White, who played at Ole Miss in the 90s, has done a good job at Louisiana Tech. Uh, the only yeah. problem is he hasn't been able to get them to the tournament yet. He has 20-something, 25, 26 wins every year, but he hasn't been able to get them to the dance. He plays a very exciting style of ball. There's an Alabama graduate uh, who that should not disqualify him. Uh, he is at Murray State named Steve Prohm. He wins 26, 27 every year there, but he's only been in the tournament one time. Uh, and there, you know, there's, there's uh, even Richard Patino, the son of Rick Patino, would, would be a potential candidate uh, if they get on down the list. Uh, there's a lot of lot of big names out there. Uh, I don't think Mike Davis would be in the top ten. I don't think Philip Pearson would. I don't think T.R. Dunn would. Uh, but I think we've just about covered most of the list that I already put together earlier today. All right, now you say, is that what is that Coach Battles list you're talking about there? No, it's, it's my list, but I think my list is within 75 or 80% of, of his list. Uh, another name I've seen on a website, and I, I, don't, I hope Drew will agree with me, I don't think they'll end up being Alabama's coach is, is Tim Floyd. No, I, don't, I think he had some NCAA problems. Yeah, he did, Big C, and I agree 100% with Kerry. It's not going to be Tim Floyd. Uh, he was an assistant, I believe, under Wimp at one time, as was Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes can't coach his way out of a paper bag. I would not even touch Rick Barnes. I've had people ask me about Rick Barnes. 
I've always felt like he was an underachiever and basically Rick Stansberry to the next level uh, as far as cheating and uh, recruiting. Uh, and when he get, he gets a lot of talent, but they very rarely. But he he's reached one Final Four. Uh, he's been to the NCAA tournament I think 16 times, but they always underachieve. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I didn't see the final. Did they lose today? Yes, they did. Of course, they lost to Butler because I'm sure he got out coached. So I just I can't believe that. Uh, that uh, that you would even you know uh, even look at Rick Barnes. I know he was an assistant at Alabama, but he's not the he's not the fit Alabama needs right now. Another intriguing name to me is I know he's a mid major, but he comes from such a great coaching tree. Is uh, Archie Miller at Dayton? Oh, no doubt. Uh, he's almost risen their program away from mid major status. They they pulled it out last night. Very hard fought win over Boise State. I like Archie a lot. I like Tom Crean. I like Greg Marshall. I think Crean, I, you know, we heard some information a couple of days ago about him, the deal almost being done. But I do think the buyout plays some, uh, you know, factor in it. But I, I will say this. I think all that could have also been a smoke screen. Uh, I was informed last night that, the, you know, the boosters, it's changed two or three times of who, they're, who their really top guys going to be once the tournament's over as far as when it really gets down to making a deal. And uh, they're going to go all in on Marshall, was what I was told late, late last night. And it would be an offer between three and four million dollars a year. Whether that would get Greg Marshall, I have no idea. But I'm like Kerry, you have to make him tell you no. I think with Marshall, you need to guarantee him at least five or six years. Uh, he was willing to go to Missouri a couple years ago, uh, one year ago, really, if they had guaranteed him six million for, uh, I'm sorry, three million for six years, and they didn't want to guarantee it past three years, and that killed the conversation. But if Alabama offers between three and four million and will go at least five years on the deal, I'm talking about guaranteed money, I, I think he's going to listen. And I'll say this, Dixie, uh, Greg Marshall would unify and fire up the Alabama basketball fan base to a point that it really hadn't been since Wimp Sanderson. Mm. Very interesting there. Well, well, his team plays Indiana tomorrow. We'll see how they do. Uh, the other caveat, the other side of the coin, if Wichita State just crushes Indiana tomorrow, which they could, all of a sudden Tom Crean's season is over. Uh, his fan base is, is pissed off because they barely made the tournament in the first place, and chances are they may get pumped pretty good tomorrow. It won't surprise me if they do. And uh, that could reopen the situation with Crean. But if they're willing to wait on Greg Marshall – uh, it'd be hard. We haven't named anybody tonight that, that's well, other than the ones we already said weren't you know legitimate. We don't think that uh, uh, we named Ben Howland, who, who would be a great hire, but it doesn't seem like it's going to come together. Uh, he took UCLA to three Final Fours, but at the same time he ticked off all the AAU coaches in California to the point that he had to hire an Atlanta AAU coaches and assistant just to salvage his recruiting. So by the time he left UCLA. Uh, he had ticked off the fans, you know, the foreign players, everybody else. I don't really think he's the answer, uh, but he is somebody you have to think about because he's got such a good track record. Uh, but if they can get, let's say, Greg Marshall or Tom Crean or Archie Miller or Shaka Smart, we didn't talk too much about him, but he's somebody you got to at least talk to, get in a conversation with. Shaka Smart uh, is making less than $2 million right now. He's making $1.5. So yeah. if you offer to double his salary uh, – he may listen. So what the good news, Nick C, is they decided to swing for the fences first and then drop down to the lesser-known young guys. But uh, even some of the young guys are intriguing. 
like Bobby Hurley, like Steve Prone, like Michael White. Uh, there's a serious crop of seven or eight guys of which I'm convinced Alabama could get one, and all they got to get is one to unify the fan base and get recruiting back on track, in my opinion. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. No doubt about that, Big C. I, I agree with Kerry. I didn't put Shaka Smart on my list of 11 because he's turned down UCLA, turned down some other jobs, but I agree with Kerry. Uh, you know, if Greg Marshall says no, then to me you have to go to Shaka Smart. Maybe even before you go to Archie Miller and or the Tom Crean situation, you have to see what he would say. Obviously, he's making $1.5 million if you offer him three. I'm not sure UCLA even offered him three. <laughs> I don't so, think they did. It's a lot more expensive to live out there than here. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows? You never know. Uh, he and he plays a you know an, an interesting style of basketball. I mean he's a really good coach. Uh, I you know he's had success in March and he's had sustained success at VCU longer than Anthony Grant has. So I did not see how their game turned out uh, today in the first round. Uh, it was a close game last I saw. Kerry, what was the final on that one? I don't even know. I'm gonna have to trust Thomas on the VCU final. Uh, it was close. They were up three late, but I did not see how it came out. Uh, I'm check right now. Go ahead. Something else, though, something else, Big C, that happened since we talked to you last week, happened on Friday the 13th. Uh, it looks like that Ohio State won 62 to 60. So, Shaka wow. Smart. I'm sorry. No, not over still yet. going. Not over. 243 to go. My bad. So, two minutes, 43 seconds left. 62 to 60, Ohio State to go either way. Shaka Smart may be available tonight to talk. But Big C, uh, <laughs> yeah. Big C something happened, uh, something happened uh, a, a pretty big renowned uh, since we talked to you last Alabama had a football practice last Friday and I was wondering if yep. you might have had any questions for Drew or me about that what do y'all know what do they what is what did they do or did y'all, y'all see it or what did y'all hear from uh from it I didn't Hello? attend it but uh, I, I I didn't attend it in person but I, I read quite a bit and I know Drew watches all the videos from the various websites and all uh, a couple things that, that, that stood out to me is, uh, you know, the, the offensive line, they had Dominic Jackson as a starting right tackle. They had the starting right guard as Big Shank. And they had the starting left guard as, as Bradley Bozeman, Big Shank as Alphonse Taylor. We already knew that Ryan Kelly would be the center and that Cam Robinson would be the left tackle. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, of course, Coker took the snaps from quarterbacks. Uh, the receiver core was pretty much like you think it would be. Uh, and uh, even though a lot of us thought that Reuben Foster would run with the ones the first day, uh, he did not. It was Sean Dion Hamilton lined up beside Reggie Ragland. Now yeah, I heard he's pretty – Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say I agree with Kerry. I mean, I thought the, the interesting part was Bradley Bozeman was still at center. I still think he'll get a look at guard. From what we understand at Intel, Grant Hill was absent. Uh, he was not working with the offensive line. It looks as though he will take the spring off. Very likely red shirt, and uh, they haven't. His future is murky at this point. But you hope that he will red shirt and be uh, and come back. But there has been no definitive word on that right now. But again, Grant Hill was not there, so Dominic Jackson will be at right tackle. It looks like someone like Ross Piercebacher, who was praised by Nick Saban, could work at right tackle as well. And then, and again, I think Bradley Bozeman will get moved to guard, but they had moved Brandon Green from tight end to guard. He was taking the reps at right guard. And, and uh, so that, that was very interesting, I thought. Uh, you know, and Shank Taylor was obviously taking some reps at left guard. But uh, we'll see. And then Ryan Kelly was at center. Uh, obviously the top four receivers right now, 
Everybody's excited to see the development of Robert Foster. He's ready to step up. Uh, and obviously, our Darius Stewart, Chris Black, Cameron Sim. So, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I, it, it, you couldn't glean too much into the first practice, but again, I think it's going to be a very interesting spring at Alabama. Jake Coker, uh, when they, uh, March the 28th, after they come back from the break, that'll be the first scrimmage. We'll see how far he has come mentally and if he can really take control of the QE situation. But been told that by by a player that Alec Morris has also looked good in the off-season workouts. Not so much Cooper Bateman, but we'll see if Alec Morris can finally step forward as well. Well, Big C, we've got the guest on hold. Uh, we're right. going to have okay. to let you go, but I will talk to you tomorrow morning. Uh, but next up, usually I let Drew introduce the guest that he signs up, but I want to take time to introduce this gentleman because I've had the opportunity to cover him both uh, as a player at Alabama and as a coach at Carver Montgomery. I even got a chance to talk to him briefly after they won the state a few weeks ago here in Birmingham. And uh, I want to thank Drew for lining up uh, a first-time guest here on BAMS Radio, former Alabama guard and, and, and current uh, Carver Montgomery head coach, J.J. Jackson. Between the two of us, since I covered him as a player, we probably put on about 150 pounds, Well, that's okay. We're happy. We're living a good life. Coach Jackson, how are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. I like that. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, just as blessed as I am, both, Coach. <laughs> great, great. But we wanted to bring you on tonight because uh, Drew and I are coming to your uh, your uh, current city of residence tomorrow night to watch uh, your player, Brandon Austin, as well as a couple of other guys we hadn't seen play yet play in the Alabama-Mississippi game. Uh, of course, okay. welcome, Coach Jackson, to BAMS Radio. It's so great to have you on. And I know one thing, uh, next time I come to Montgomery, I'm going to have to ask you where the best rib going. Well, you know, I can find it for you. You know, we got a few of them here. You know, Greenland's still one of the top ones. So <laughs> we'll, we'll find us a place to go for sure. <laughs> As Medea would say, hallelujah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Drew, we'll let you ask some questions now, and I'm through, through joking around. Well, Coach Jackson, first of all, we we thank you for joining us, and we want to, uh, first of all, congratulate your program on the second state championship during your tenure. And I felt like I was, we were, we, Carrie and I were on press row for the game against the Lee Generals, and uh, I'm from Huntsville, so I know how good Lee is. I had seen them uh, several times during the year. They're very talented. But your squad showed a lot of metal and heart and determination in the, in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter when it came down to winning the basketball game. And they showed the grit of a champion uh, in, in bringing home the blue trophy back to your high school. Oh, yeah. And, and first of all, let me say thanks, too, for having you know having me on here. Uh, it's a pleasure to anything says family. You know, it's always a pleasure. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, guy, the kids did a remarkable job in just, just staying poised, like you said. I tell you what, what was big for us, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season, we went to Chicago and played in the State Farm Classic, which is a national tournament uh, up that way, and we won it, you know, and and, and we had to come back, I think, on uh, Proviso East. It's one of their powerhouses up there. And uh, Kingston, of, out of, out of uh, Champaign, Illinois, is another one of theirs. And we were like, we had been down 15 and down, you know, 11, 12 points and had to come back to win, had to come back and win win the, uh, you know, win the championship. So, you know, it was a spot that we've been in before. So, you know, I, I take my hat off to those kids. Uh, you know, Lee has a remarkable team, no doubt about it. Yeah, they they are a great team, no doubt. And, uh, you know, our kids have been through that situation, and, and, and it all worked out for us to stay poised and just stay with, you know, stay with the game plan. 
Well, and, and talk about, of course, your best player, Brandon Austin. He led the comeback. Uh, he stepped up huge in the fourth quarter, and he was. I thought he was really solid throughout the whole game. And I, I knew he told me afterwards that he barely slept the night before. He just kept playing one shining moment in his head because he knew it was his chance. And he, and he had played a great game also in the semifinals. But I think basically the, from talking with the young man is. I think the year before when you guys didn't have the the result you wanted against Mountain Brook and he did not play well, it kind of fooled right. him really for 12 months, but so he could get another chance. Well, you know, uh, you know, it, it was a tough it was a tough night for him. Uh, you know, last year when we played uh, Mountain Brook and another great team again. Bucky does a, a remarkable job with those kids, and uh, you know, Brandon just just didn't have it. You know, and, and you know, I had to. Kind of relate nights so that I've had and that our team has had, you know, just just moments that we've had back in the past. You know, my years of playing that every night, I, you know, I don't care who you are. Every night, you know, you just not it's not a given. And I just think he he struggled and he pressed and he did all those things and he just couldn't get it going last year. And true enough, you know, he just kept saying, Coach, next year, I promise you, I won't let you down. You know, I promise you, you know, we're going to be in this situation again and, I, and I'm going to come through. And I'll be doggone that this kid, this kid really, you know, held true to his promise. But he was just, you know, all season long. You know, I just won't call that one game because all season long he he came up big for us this season. What do you – obviously, he's he's the – I think this is a proud moment for you as an Alabama alum. He's the first young man from your program that's going to go on to Alabama. What do you look – as far as his future, and I know right now they they need a basketball coach at the university. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what do you look for as is his future at Alabama as far as position, and what kind of player do you think he can be at the Capstone? Well, you know, first of all, you know he's a he's a jump shooter, no doubt about it. He's a scorer. He's athletic enough to to do a lot of things above the rim and, and get to that you know get to the painted area. Uh, but you know, uh, I, looking at the Alabama team now, you know I thought Levi. We really saw Levi grow up right before our eyes. You know, I thought about the days when he first got to Alabama and, uh, you know, how he was kind of, you know, laid back and, and to now how aggressive he, he's gotten over, you know, over the years, his years there at the Capstone. And that, uh, you know, he's just a tremendous player, you know, a student athlete, I should say, to give him all his, all his uh, you know, credit. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Brandon is going to bring a lot of what he did. I'm sure once they get him there and get him, you know, get him larger, you know, bigger than he is and stronger and faster and all that good stuff, I think Brandon is going to bring a lot more scoring, you know, some help in the scoring, you know. If, uh, you know, if, if they allow him to shoot that ball like he's capable of doing, I think he's going to, he's going to really help on the scoring end. J.J., since you're a former Alabama guard, I wanted to ask you about another former Alabama guard that recruited Brandon. What kind of a recruiter and coach and that relates to the kids is, is Antoine Petway? Well, Pat, you know, Petway, we have a special relationship myself, Petway and myself. I, you know, I always tell him, you know, when during his playing days, he's my favorite little player because <laughs> I felt like I was just a little taller than he was. But, uh, you know, uh, Petway has this, this great knack of, of just getting, you know, he can talk to talk with those kids. You know, he really knows how to talk to them. He really knows. You know, uh, you know, so to speak, he just really knows what kids want to hear, and he he knows what they're you know looking for when they're talking about schools. And uh, I think he came in and he really captured Brandon, and uh, you know, just just I mean everything, you know, just talking about everything. And Brandon hangs on his every word, and they had a special bond, you know, uh, during this recruiting process. And I thought Petway was very instrumental in getting Brandon to uh, you know commit and sign with Alabama. 
And, and Coach, I wanted to ask you real quickly, uh, speaking of, you have a special perspective on it, and we were going to talk about the, the situation at Alabama in basketball. You were on mm-hmm. one of the, the best teams that, that I, I felt like were ever, were ever on the, at, at the university, and you were there at a golden time when Coach, of course, Coach Newton started it, and then Coach Sanderson, when Sanderson continued uh, the program mm-hmm. at a high level. What do you think is the key for Alabama to get it back? You know, because I, I know it meant a lot to you to wear the Alabama across your jersey, and oh, you're a yeah. proud graduate, and it means yeah. a lot to you. What does Alabama need to do to get their basketball program back to you know where it needs to be? Well, yeah, you know, it's quite it's two things. Uh, you know, just me looking on, and if you're talking about comparing to the to the past, uh, you know, I, you know, first, you know, we got to get that fan base back, and they got to get everybody excited again. And that just, you know, I, I thought the way they played, I thought they did a great job of playing defense for one thing. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you, you just got to get some more players in there that's going to really bring some excitement and that uh, more fans would love to see. You know, not saying that the players we have are not those guys, but we just got to add more players to what we have and, uh, you know, just, just, just make it exciting. Because, you know, one thing I can say, you know, the alley from Terry Connors to, to Derek McKee and, even my first year with Buck Johnson and Bobby Lee, you know, you just had those household names that, that everybody, you know, they were excited about. You know, not only Alabama football, but, you know, Alabama basketball rung a bell for everybody. And, uh, you know, I think we just we just got to get that, grab that, and, and, and bring that, that old-fashioned excitement back. And uh, I think, uh, you know, one thing about our fans, and you know this as well as I do too, you know, we all love winners, no doubt. And uh, I think, though, if we can – we can get it going and, and, and show the fans that, that not only every night, night in, night out, they're going to play hard, they're going to play well. Uh, you know, they're going to win them all. But, you know, just, just that we're going to have some excitement in these games. I think more people will show up. I think people will hit the road like they used to back in our days and, and really come see Alabama basketball, you know, similar to how they do, you know, Alabama football. J.J., I wanted to ask you, speaking of that, since you played at a time when basketball was a really big deal, the, the plaid palace mm-hmm. and all that, uh, what are some of your memories, uh, some games that stand out to you uh, from your playing days? Uh, well, you know the first one, I'm going to say the Florida game. <laughs> the Florida game where, you know, we were down and I hit the half-court shot and uh, came back in overtime and uh, it was that uh, Jim through the pass, uh, Jim O'Mark, I think, through the pass, long pass, uh, I tipped it. Uh, I shot it. Derek tipped it in at the buzzer, and it was a game-winning tip tapped in by Derek. That was one big one, uh, you know. And just, and I tell you what, going on the road with with, with the guys that I played with was special to me. And when I say that, meaning we uh, we, we we truly had a, a family bond between us, and all of the games were exciting to me because night in, night out, it was just you know, just wasn't Derek every time, every night wasn't Jim all the time. You know, Mark had his days, uh, Terry had his days, Michael Hans. Everybody kind of contributed and had their days. And uh, it, it was just special for me. And I just I, I picked that one out because that's just one of the games I did a little something. But <laughs> but for the most part, I, all of them were special. And, uh, you know, like I say, once we get that special group up there, uh, you know, you know, the special group that we're looking for, for Alabama basketball, to, you know, to come in. Uh, I think we, we, we're going to have that thing going. We'll get our mojo back, like like the kids like to say. You know, like once we get that mojo back, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be truly special and ready to play basketball again. Well, and coach, I, I, I talked to your former teammate Terry Connor recently mm-hmm. uh, when Altamont was in the regionals over at Wallace State, and 
we had a conversation after they lost in the regional finals, and I asked him if he was close to the program now, and he admittedly said no. He said he'd reached out to Coach Grant a couple times, and his exact words were he's kind of a standoffish coach, so I just sort of let him do his thing. And what I think is going to be big, whoever the coach may be, they need to get what you just – you brought up a very good valid point when you called it a family. They need to get the, old, the former players back involved in the program, helping sell the program, because I think many people are forgetting how good a history Alabama basketball has. I told Terry, and I think it touched him, but I said, look, you're one of the big reasons I'm an Alabama basketball fan. You're the first point guard I ever remember when I was a kid. And so – and I remember the alley-oops and the Derrick McKees and you playing on the court. And, and we just – they need – they need to get back to having the former players want to come around the program and help because that's what that's how you recruit. And that's true, uh, Drew. You're so right because, you know, we've had so many of those guys come through and, and make it to that next level, you know, the NBA, and uh, to have recruits come in. And, 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 and I don't care how old they are, if they're retired or what, but, you know, if you do your history, and I think most, most, most great basketball players, kids that are going to be pretty good, pretty great, they, they they do a little history about you know programs. They they do a little history about players, and uh, we you know we've had our number of players to really you know move on to the next level and do it. And, and in order to get them you know get those players around and get the quality players that we want in our program, you know because you know if I if I know I can go in and talk to a Robert Horry who big shot Horry and all that kind of good stuff, uh, you know back in the day Enos Wiley, you know just just so many of them that uh, have been through uh, Spreeway, you know, if you could just get back and, and just hear some stories from those guys, I think, you know, we'll we, we get some more recruits and, and, you know, some more guys that can turn us around a little bit and, and get us going. Well, and I wanted to ask you about Coach Sanderson because he said something in an interview recently about, you know, you must be visible and get out and market your program what made him so special? Because, of course, he started the Plaid Palace and the Jackets, but he was, he was known as a curmudgeon. But I'll say this. He knew where the camera was, and he knew how to promote the program. And that, that's going to be key for the next coach because I think that hurt Coach Grant because nobody knew him that well. Uh, you know what? And, and, and Coach Sanderson was, was awesome. I mean, from, from, I mean he, knew, he knew what he was going to do from the start to the finish. And when I say that, he – he just knew how to sell Alabama basketball, you know. When I say, yeah, you know, we all know he was one that was really visible. You know, we, we, if you knew about Alabama, you knew about the Plaid Jackets, you, you know, the Plaid Palace. You, you, you just can't, you know, you know, just like back in the day with with, with our coach uh, Bryant, Coach Bear Bryant, you know, with the hat, you know, the big hat that uh, he wore, everybody that signature hat. It's just like you know that, and we got to get back to having some signature moments that. Uh, you know, everybody's you know just just responds to you know when they when they when they see that kind of thing. I think you know you think about uh, Alabama basketball, and you think about those kind of things. You think about Alabama football when you uh, think about Coach Bear's hat, you know Coach Bear Brand's hat, you know, and Coach uh, Sanderson uh, played played you know sports coach. You you just start thinking about you know, all the good times, and, and you know it's just one of those things, Drew, that we we just got to get back to the good times and the good days, and, and they're there and it's coming. I, I, you know, I truly believe I. I'm not one that I, I won't ever give up uh, because I know we're going to have our day again, you know, with Alabama, you know, not only with just Alabama football, but with Alabama basketball. I think, uh, you know, our day is coming. Right now we're just on a, on a, on a down, down slab for a minute, but I think that day is gonna, we're going to stand up and, and we're going to roll and then we're going to do our thing again. JJ, this is Kerry again. I wanted to ask you, did you have a chance to watch the United game the other night? 
Oh, uh, which uh, which one? Which one was? Which one did you? Bama and Illinois. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know what. <laughs> what team was that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they jumped on Illinois. I would. I wouldn't have never known us to to really. I you know I've seen Illinois play throughout the you know regular season, and uh, the way our guys played uh, the other night. I mean, it was just no turning back. We we were determined. Uh, I thought we. We played uh, under, under the circumstances, you know, with, with, with Coach Grant's, uh, you know, with his being released. Uh, I think uh, the kids, uh, you know, the kids did a remarkable job in, in just stepping up and, and doing their job, you know, and, and that's play basketball, play hard and play fast and, and just do the best you can. I think they really did that. Have you had a chance, J.J., to see either uh, Hall from Blue Burn or uh, Ingram from Theodore play? Uh, well, you know, uh, Hall from Luverne came. Uh, he played in our MLK Classic that we had at uh, AUM this 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 year. This uh, during regular season, and uh, he, he's going. He's going. You know, he reminds me of a, a Jimmy in high school. Uh, Jimmy that we have now at Alabama. He reminds me of Jimmy a little bit. Uh, how Jimmy first got his start. Uh, you know, now Jimmy is is kind of is kind of being real productive now. And, and you know, he, it's a growth. It's a growth thing that he's. He's got to grow, and uh, he's he's got a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong, but he has all the the tools to get it done. So, I think uh, you know after they they get him up there and uh, get him going, I think he's going to be productive for us also. Uh, Ingram, uh, I've just heard and seen clips of him. I hadn't actually seen the whole game. You know, where I got a chance to just watch him. Uh, tomorrow night will be my my first. To, you know, just really seeing him live and in, in person, and uh, you know. And I can go from there, from here. But I, from everything I've heard and and some of the clips I've seen, he's he's going to be special. And coach, finally, we thank you for coming on with us. And I wanted to ask you about the future of Carver basketball. You've been there a, a while. You've won two state titles. You've you've built a consistently great program. Obviously, okay. uh, what what is what is the future? You know, for you guys, what is, like what is your schedule looking like next year? And what about some of your young kids that you've got coming back? Uh, and for the future of Wolverines basketball? Well, we we have some special kids. You know, I still got some of those trees, 6'9", six, 6'8", six, and all those <laughs> guys coming back again. And uh, I tell you what, we were we were sophomore-oriented this year. I have about seven to eight sophomores, 10th graders, that got, all of them got a little taste of what it's, a lot, what it's about, and hopefully they stay hungry, and we're going to work hard over the summer. And, you know, right now we're doing postseason, you know, workouts, and, uh, you know, of course, AAU kicks in, and, and uh, we'll get ready for our summer workouts and summer play dates. But um, I, I look forward. I mean, it's just fun. You know, I keep saying, you know, after I, after this group leaves, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to just kind of tone it down a little bit. But it's like a special group comes every time. It's going to be hard to let go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I love my kids. And, and, and you know, I, same thing I learned at them, you know, bringing that family bond and, and just having these guys play for each other, not for themselves. Uh, you know, that's that's what we teach, and, and that's what, you know, hopefully, you know, our kids keep on uh, working off. And, uh, you know, I think the more we do that, the better we're going to be. And like you said, year in, year out, we're looking to be in, in Birmingham and give ourselves a shot. No doubt. And obviously the 10th grade class is very talented in the state. That's why it's crucial for the new coach to get in there and start cultivating exactly. relationships with yourself exactly. and a lot of the mm-hmm. other coaches around the state. And, and uh, also – we going the, the final question. I know he's not. You know, uh, we we hear he's transferred back home. But we wanted you to say a little bit about Marlon Davis, and we were all play, praying for him at the tournament. We knew he oh, wasn't yeah, with yes. you, but you were. He was with you in thoughts and prayers. We know he lost his yes, mother tragically. Was. But 
how is Marlon doing, and uh, is, is he uh, on the road? Is, is he is he doing well now uh, mentally? I know it's very hard though. He, he's he's doing well. We we text a lot, you know. Uh, they 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 taught me how to text, and uh, <laughs> we we text a lot. And I'm always just you know we check, and he's always calling coach. I think he's going what y'all do today. You know he he just you know he he found that uh you know he just found that bond that we always look for in our kids. He found it at Carver, and I guess it's kind of tough right now. You know, even though that's home for him, uh, I think it's kind of tough to leave a lot of ki- a lot of guys and, and and friends that he's met. You know, at Carver, but uh, uh, he's doing well. He's handling handling things. I think uh, he and his family got things going again. And you know, uh, under the duress of uh, losing his mother, I think he he's really bouncing back pretty good. But uh, you know, I, we 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 really, we really uh, I wish he could be there. You know, doing that state championship. But I think uh, in, in spirit, uh, I think he uh, he pushed this on through because he has promised him something, and uh, like I said, they held up to it. No doubt. And, well, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. We know you're busy, Coach. And we look forward, Kerry and I, to hopefully seeing you and being able to talk a little bit oh, in Montgomery tomorrow. Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, and roll tide, and thank you for coming on with us. Roll tide, and I look for you guys tomorrow. Okay, have a good night. Bring us some ribs tomorrow, JJ. Oh, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll work on that. Okay. Right. Have a good one, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you, Coach. JJ Jackson, uh, great guest. We look forward to having him on again. You can tell he bleeds crimson, and he's built carry one of the best basketball programs in the state of Alabama. So consistent, uh, they've been to so many Final Fours. Now he's got two championships, and uh, when you start winning multiples, uh, we could see JJ one day in the Hall of Fame in, in Alabama high school. Oh yeah, we're getting that email from Ron Ingram. He's still doing that job of PR for the AHSAA. <laughs> I can see that, but JJ definitely's on his way to that. Uh, built a great program. Just a great guy. Really fun to talk to. And uh, as you said, Bleeds Crimson, I can tell you that in all my years of interviewing coaches, I've never had one use the term the capstone in an interview. I love that. <laughs> so uh, it was it was good having him on, and uh, he gave us some great info on, on Brandon and uh, a little bit of uh, preview of what we can expect from Dante Hall tomorrow night as we get to see him for the first time. And uh, I think we'll both agree, Drew, that we're not giving up on Dazon Ingram. If Alabama makes the right hire, whether or not that person retains Antoine Petway, if they make the right hire, uh, I think they'll be able to bring him back into the fold. Uh, no doubt about that. And I think that I think he he especially if Coach Petway is retained. And I think if because of the tenth grade class in Alabama, because of how big you know that class is for the the, the future of Alabama basketball, Antoine knows just about all those kids. I think there's an above average chance that he will be retained, Kerry. And as we've talked about, if that happens, he's very close with Dazon Ingram. I think Dazon will be in Crimson. So I think there's a very good chance of that happening. And we both look forward to speaking to Dazon tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, and Brandon Austin and Mr. Hall. So we look forward to seeing all three of those young men. Yep. And it'll be uh, the first time for – I know you, you saw uh, Dazon early in the year, at least on video. I haven't seen him at all. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing Dazon, looking forward to seeing Dante. And, of course, even though I already saw him once, as did you, looking forward to seeing Brandon Austin again. So, uh, no doubt. Fun time. Fun time tomorrow night in Montgomery. And you know, great friend of this show, uh, Jack Doss, who is the, in my opinion right now, the greatest high school coach this state has produced. I mean, the winning, just the the championships bear out the story. But he, he, uh, he, he, he coached against Dazon in Birmingham. I asked him about Dazon. He said he could, he, uh, you know, he was complimentary of his game and 
when you play against the Johnson Jags, who were the you know the five A state champions, and you they played them in the semifinals. Jack told me that Theodore had the best team. He felt like down there that they saw, even though Faith Academy beat JOJ in the finals uh, that in that tournament in December. But uh, I'll give you the stat line: Dazon Ingram had twenty nine points and twenty rebounds against the Jags. And another person we'll get to see play for the first time tomorrow uh, during the Alabama Mississippi women's game is the Alabama commitment and the Gatorade Alabama Player of the Year, Shakira Wade from HHS. Absolutely. My high school, Huntsville High School, Shakira, she's been a four-year starter for the Lady Panthers. They went to two Final Fours during her the first two in school history during her time there. Obviously, would have liked to have played better against McGill Tulin in the semifinals, but she had a very fine career. Uh, I'm, she well-deserved Gatorade Player of the Year. She was MVP of the North-South All-Star Game this summer. She's long. She's athletic. She's got an inside-out game. I think she will play a lot, if not have a chance to start early for Alabama. She keeps working. She's a very good young lady. Uh, you know, she's a, she's someone that I think has gotten better every year. she got some very good high school coaching from Crystal Johnson. Very fortunate to have Coach Johnson come in, former Alabama player who uh, from Hoover High School who came in and resuscitated the, the women's program there and she got some uh, again some very good tutoring and I think she's going to be a fine player maybe as a freshman but definitely down the road now I would talk to Christy Curry about her at the state tournament and she said they're beyond fired up to add Shakira Wade uh, to the roster next year and it's a really good recruiting class it's correct me if I'm wrong Kerry I think it's one of the top 20 in America it's either top 20 or top 25 but uh, she definitely went out and did a good job uh and, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll be fun. I'm, I've not seen her play. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hoping that the state of Alabama can pull off a doubleheader sweep tomorrow night at the Acadome on the campus of Alabama State University, and we'll have a full coverage and maybe even a couple of audio clips from prospects for you next week on, on BAMS Radio. Drew, looking around uh, just brief, briefly before our break at 30 minutes after, touching on some other things going on. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, and, and most of the news is good. Uh, the gymnastics team is, is heading to Duluth, Georgia for the SEC championships this weekend. They're currently ranked number five. They took a, a tough home loss to number one Oklahoma last Friday. Even though scoring a 197.5, they lost to me to a great Oklahoma squad, uh, but they retained their top five status. The softball team went on the road and took two out of three from Georgia before run-ruling Georgia State. Uh, just last night, uh, the softball team is ranked number five in the country. They host, uh, I believe, Florida's number two this week, a battle of top five teams. That series kicks off at 1 o'clock Saturday. I'll be there as a fan Saturday and as a media member Monday. So uh, I'll bring you some uh, insights on Alabama softball next week. And Alabama baseball, uh, they have they have uh, gone on the road last weekend and took two out of three uh, and knocked Mississippi State out of the top 25 in the process by doing that at Duty Noble Field. And uh, then they came home and hung on for a two-run, eight-to-six victory Tuesday night over Sanford at the Met. They begin a series against undefeated top-five Texas A&M tomorrow night at the Hoover Met. Games Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. I'll be covering the Sunday afternoon game, so I'll be able to provide a little insight next week on them into Alabama baseball. The tennis team, the women's tennis team, is ranked number nine in the country. Uh, just really, and, and now there's excitement again about basketball because of the coaching search. It's, uh, spring training has started. People looking forward to A-Day, the 18th of April, and also a scrimmage Drew and I will see on the 11th, the week before. So it's just a 
a really, really fun time to be an Alabama sports fan right now, Drew. It really is. Nah, you know, the university's doing well. If they can get – I think the women's basketball program is finally showing signs of life. This year was tough for Coach Curry. She lost her best player to a transfer to Seton Hall right before the season. I think that really played an effect. Had to play a lot of young players, but it kind of reminded me of Mark Godfrey's second year when he had a losing season at Alabama, but he had to play a bunch of freshmen. And by the year three, they were one of the better teams in the league. And I think Alabama has a chance to take a jump next year into the toward the you know the middle part of the SEC. And if you do that, you have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Because people forget last year she had a winning record, uh, and I believe they went to the WNIT, which was a really good run considering what she took over. And she just lost. Uh, she lost Chevante Myers to a, as a senior last year as the leading scorer, and then have the young lady transfer to Seton Hall. That was tough, but she's got a really good recruiting class coming in. And then, if, and I and I, I think Carrie agrees with me based upon what we saw with now Anthony Grant counting four million dollars at the house, and thank God not on the bench. Uh, it looks like Alabama's got some talent in basketball. We always thought they did. Uh, if you hire the right coach and could get one or two pieces, whether it be a transfer or, or maybe a, a late signee, I think Alabama can have a good basketball team next year. And with the, with the recruiting, uh, as far as what, what we talked about with Coach Jackson, with the 10th grade class and some of the young players, even Josh Lankford, who's a junior, depending on who you hire as head coach, uh, you know Alabama could turn their basketball program around quickly because, as we know, uh, it's it, you only take you've only got 13 scholarship players, but uh, we saw Nick Saban turn Alabama's football program very very quickly in two years. I think the same can be done in basketball if the right coach is in place, Kerry. And with the rest of the athletic department doing what they're doing right now, you got to be really excited, as you said, to be a fan of the Crimson Tide. Very excited, and um, also my bladder is very excited about us taking a break right now. So it's 31 minutes after 29 minutes before, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes to resume Talking Bama Sports uh, here on Bama's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio. She wore a pink Bama do-rag, smacking on juicy fruit. Red clay sticking to her Timberland boots. A tight white t-shirt showing off a Talladega tan. I said, darling, where are you from? She said, watch your tongue. Do you really have to ask? I'm from
Welcome back to Bama Radio. It is 25 minutes before the hour. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com. Joined, as always, by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com and our producer back in the studio, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We have had a really fun first hour and five minutes or so. We heard from Colin Big C. McGuire, our regular caller. We also heard from J.J. Jackson, head coach and a state champion of 6A Carver Wolverine basketball and former Alabama guard. Interesting insights from him, and we'll uh, meet up with him in person tomorrow night as Drew and I both cover the Alabama-Mississippi High School All-Star Basketball Game Ladies and Gentlemen Game, the doubleheader force at the campus of Alabama State. So uh, we are now back, and Drew, this is probably the longest we've ever gone in BAM's history. We've gone uh, 64 minutes now and not touched on football recruiting, but uh, offers continue to go out all over the nation from Alabama. Uh, offers of various types, some committable, some not, some contingent on coming to camp, some not. But uh, since we haven't talked about it at all this week, uh, sort of uh, just off the top of, the, uh, of your mind now, just kind of bring us up to date on what's going on regarding football recruiting in the class of 2016 and beyond. Well, you know, I, as you said, there's really not a lot concrete going on. There's just a lot of – there's been a lot of – there's been several kids get offered, uh, you know, I think just about all of them are camp offers. I mean, there was another uh, offensive lineman offered yesterday, junior college offensive tackle uh, that was offered uh, by the University of Alabama. And it was kind of ironic because the young man, much like uh, Charles Baldwin, is uh, from the state of New York. It's kind of unusual. You wouldn't you wouldn't think Alabama would be offering two straight or two young men, two junior college players uh, from the state. But they have. I mean, they've uh, they offered um, they offered a, a junior college offensive tackle, and uh, his name is Malcolm Prigion. I, I want to make sure that I'm saying that right. I may not be. Uh, he's from Garden City, uh, Nassau Community College. He's six foot eight, 290 pounds. Haven't watched a lot of film on him yet, but I think, Kerry, without a doubt, you could say that uh, in the class of 2016, that Mario Cristobal is going to sign a junior college offensive tackle. Yeah, and that's paramount because uh, I noticed a lot of the website predictors are uh, hedging their bets that Willie Allen is going to stay in state and go to LSU. I know you and I still feel like Alabama has a great chance at the top left tackle in the high school ranks, but just in case, you need to have a contingency plan, and uh, you even need to have a contingency plan uh, for somebody to push Willie if Alabama does get him. Yeah, and then another tackle to watch, and we've pro- – we've, uh... We've uh, profiled him on our website at alabamaintel.com as Robert Crayling uh, from, from the, you know, from the state of Georgia near Athens. His dad is a UGA graduate, but they've kind of been lukewarm or slow to make him a priority. Alabama has already offered him. Uh, Alabama Intel's William Redfish Barger. I kind of put Mario Cristobal onto him. He's somebody that if he doesn't, you know, fill out, could still be an outstanding tight end. He's, he's that good an athlete, but – uh, with his uh, frame and, and height, and he's six foot seven, and the way he moves and his feet, if he fills out his frame carries, you can get around the 290, 290 to 300 pound range. Most think he can become an elite left tackle prospect. So, Crayling is someone that uh, I think his stock is going to continue to rise. I think he is going to be someone that uh, continues to move up the charts, and it looks like. Uh, the young man from Winona, Quinnen Williams, a defensive end who is uh, a defensive lineman who is committed to Auburn right now. It looks like Alabama may be ready to turn up the heat on him 
And another OT they really like is uh, the number one player in the Washington, D.C. area. I think it's Juwan Williams. He spells it a little bit differently. Uh, but he's a six foot six offensive tackle, and he's someone else to watch as far as for Alabama in the coming months. And it's safe to say that uh, A Day will be uh, a veritable haven for the uh, three, four, and five star recruits in the southeast and beyond. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then another guy to watch. We, we, we've been talking about the city of Montgomery a lot uh, in this show, Kerry. But P.J. Blue, who's from Jemison, Alabama, who's uh, a hybrid safety linebacker, someone Nick Saban has identified kind of like a Keaton Anderson that he, you know, he may not have the measurables. He may kind of be a tweener right now, but they really love his film and his productivity. They offered him uh, at one of the first junior days. He has transferred to Parks Crossing uh, in Montgomery, so he is no longer at Jemison High School. Yeah, and Park Crossing is a new school. They've only been playing varsity sports for, I think, this fall. This fall, I think, will be year two. So yes. that'll be interesting. It'll be, be pretty cool to be down there and see their stadium if I get a chance. Hopefully I can uh, I do want to go back over the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, there's been some interesting results today. Uh, Shaka is available. Yes, 75-72 Ohio State wins in overtime over VCU. So uh, certainly if Phil Battle chose to reach out to Shaka Smart's agent, it would be a good time to do it. The Ole Miss Rebels won their opener in Dayton, a great comeback uh, over BYU, but they couldn't sustain it. Xavier uh, took them out behind the woodshed by 19 points, 76-57. The Rebels head back to Oxford. Xavier survives and advances. Uh, we talked about the coaching acumen of one Rick Barnes, who back yeah. in the day played the race card to stop Alabama from getting Ray Allen when Rick was at UConn. Or UMass, I'm sorry, UMass. But uh, Rick and the Texas Longhorns went down to Butler, 56-48. to 48. It was UCLA in a controversial goaltending on a three-pointer that had no shot at going in, 60-59. to 59. That's a play that will be talked about for years to come. Uh, could uh, you know theoretically it may have been by the letter of the law goaltending, but uh, it was just bizarre. Uh, Arizona put out Mike Davis and Texas Southern ninety-three to seventy-two. It was uh, Georgia State in a, just a dramatic comeback, beating Baylor fifty-seven to fifty-six on a shot uh, with two point seven seconds to go by R.J. Hunter, son of the coach, and the coach Ron Hunter was having to coach that game on a stool because he tore his Achilles tendon celebrating. Victory over Georgia Southern in the conference tournament Sunday. It was UAB uh, rallying to upset uh, Iowa State. I didn't do a bracket this year, but if I had, I'm sure I would have had Iowa State probably to the Elite Eight. UAB knocked them out 60-59. to They gone. Uh, Notre Dame hung on by the skin of their teeth to beat Northeastern 69-65. to And then games in progress, uh, these are all first-half scores. Uh, let's see. Some of these are NIT scores. North Carolina leads Harvard 10 to 7. That's NCAA. <laughs> Villanette is uh, pummeling uh, Lafayette 44 to 26. Purdue and Cincinnati are tied at 17. And then still to come tonight, a couple of other games involving SEC teams. North Carolina State plays the LSU at 8:20 on TBS, and uh, the University of Kentucky Wildcats play Hampton at uh, 8:40 Eastern Central Time on CBS uh, at 8:50 Central on TNT. Arkansas and Wofford, and then a non-SEC game. Utah and uh, Stephen F. Austin on True TV at 8.08. Pretty cool, Drew, how they got uh, four networks running games so you don't really have to miss anything nowadays. Yeah, it's uh, kind of heaven if you're a basketball junkie like you and I are. You get a chance to watch wall-to-wall basketball. My day did, my day has been disastrous today. Um, I'm not going to pull any punches. Um, 
I, you know, was uh, early. I, I was two and zero with Butler and Notre Dame. They did a nice job, but obviously uh, took it on the chin with Ole Miss and Baylor, both getting shellacked. Now VCU has lost in overtime. Another loss for Drew. Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that Stephen F. Austin will pull an upset for me tonight. I, I have them over Utah. Uh, SMU, I was a victim of that, and the UCLA. I thought it, I didn't, it didn't look like goaltending to me, but that's just my take on the situation. Obviously, William Lee uh, has destroyed my bracket, getting rid of Elite Eight Iowa State, and uh, so uh, I have. Uh, I'm only about 500 a day. When you're about 500 in the bracket, you can pretty much forget it. But uh, did we lose Kerry? Sorry. We may have. I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. I have my cell phone mute. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I was so down about the Alabama season. I didn't even do a bracket this year. Uh, uh, so well, I mean, my I'm final four. After, after, after what's happened today, I'm glad I didn't. Well, and to be honest, as much as it blew my bracket up, I was happy for Jared Hass and happy for uh, William Lee and UAB. Just further cements to me the, that Alabama made the right move to get Anthony Grant out of there because William Lee is a fine player. I will stick by what I said. Uh, to the to a lot of media people when I was at the Final Four for three days last year. Um, I was not on press row, but I, I talked to enough of the media guys. I know enough of them. William Lee is Duke good. I still believe that. I still believe he could play there. I still believe he could play anywhere in America. I believe he will be an NBA player. He reminds me of Robert Ory. Uh, he's a very skilled kid. He's somebody that C.M. Newton and Wimp Sanderson would have lived off of and would have given people headache after headache. And I felt like, along with Trevor Lacey leaving, that situation, and then with the, when, you, when Isaac Cobb tells you not to even recruit him, uh, you, you, you've got to make a change. And hopefully, like Kerry said, the excitement's fixing to be back into Alabama basketball. This coaching search has me very excited. Uh, I think it's going to play out over a two-week period because we've got to watch you know, March Madness. I've always felt like they were going to target somebody that was coaching in this tournament. That's why I never bought the Richard Patino stuff, uh, Rick Stansberry, um, even Mike Davis. Uh, he was in the tournament, but he's, like Kerry said, I, if he's on the list, he's way down. I'm not even buying Steve Prome because, again, he's done a fine job at Murray State. But for every Murray State coach that's done well somewhere else, a lot of them have not. I mean, he, he is an Alabama graduate. But I just feel like Alabama can get an established coach, and I think money talks. and. Hopefully uh, people are going to listen, and Alabama's going to, as Coach Jackson said, get it. they're in a little bit of a downslide right now, but we're fixing to get it back, and hopefully Alabama's fixing to get the magic back in Coleman Coliseum. I think they're on the verge. and uh, I really love the fact that uh, Bill Battle, uh, at the behest of the boosters, is going to swing for the fences. Uh, I like that he's not going after a, a young, easy mid-major hire. And I don't include Archie Miller in that group. I think Archie Miller would be a great hire. Uh, yeah. He's an up-and-comer, uh, a little more experienced than, than Bobby Hurley, although I would have nothing against Hurley being hired. But when you when you talk about them going after people like Greg Marshall or, or Tom Crean or, or Shaka Smart or someone of that nature, uh, it, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be an Alabama basketball fan. Uh, Alabama fans are legendary for their love of following coaching searches. We've had so many of them. <laughs> We've gotten good at it. We have people that track airplanes and anything else the Internet can do, they do it. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. A lot of names will come out. Uh, we were convinced two nights ago that it was going to be Tom Crean. 
Now we're not convinced, but I still think he's in the top three or four choices, Drew. Yes, agreed with that. I I, I hope. I, I, my number one guy has always been Greg Marshall, as I wrote in my story on alabamaintel.com. And I hope the, uh, in the top three to four, my top three would be an Archie Miller and a Tom Crean. Obviously, I didn't put Shaka Smart in my top four, but he would absolutely be there uh, if he was uh, one of the if he uh, it was a, a serious candidate and wanted to be. I would have Shaka up there as well. And if, if it's one of those four, I think it's a grand slam home run, and uh, Alabama can quickly you know turn their basketball program around. You, Kerry and I both never believed the Tom Izzo stuff uh, six years ago or now. I mean, he's an institution at Michigan State. You're not going to get somebody away from a school like that but you can get the four we just mentioned. And the main reason for Crane is because the Indiana job is what it is. There's a lot of pressure there. They're, I think they're making a mistake if they get rid of Tom Crane, but they're obviously uh, unhappy about it. And now as we watch the Mike Krzyzewski former players on the, on, uh, the NCAA tournament, Tommy Amaker, Jeff Capel, I think Jeff Capel could be a cursory candidate. He was down my list at Alabama. But I think if they missed on the top three or four, he could end up being a candidate. But again, if you to me, I and, and the 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 coach went off the radar screen that I'm the only one basically talking about. But if Alabama got to the point where they were turned down by so many coaches, I wouldn't even go Richard Pitino. I wouldn't go Steve Prome. I wouldn't go Rick Stansberry or anyone of that ilk. Mike Davis. My top candidate would be Lenny Acuff at UAH. I know he's a Division two coach, but I know what he's built. I know him personally. I know the kind of person he is. And he can out-coach half the guys on the list of my, on my list of 11, and I think he would be an outstanding fit. It would be his dream job. He has told uh, someone that I am close to that is the case. And uh, I think it would be thinking outside of the box. I know Missouri did it last year, and it didn't have a lot of success in the first season. We'll see how it goes from this point forward. But I, that, that would be the, the absolute scenario, the worst-case scenario, if you're getting turned down and you, with all your big money, if you're trying to get three to four million dollars a year, you're, you've been turned down by four or five coaches. But I don't know, Kerry. My gut tells me they're going to hit a home run. I hope I'm right. Well, it'd be great. It would be really great. Uh, and I, I, I'm just—I know I want to say this two or three times. But I just applaud the fact that they're going big before they uh, go medium. And uh, I like the fact that they apparently have a budget of between three and four million. And when you're able to offer that much money. And, you know, thank goodness for the SEC Network and the way that it's helping out with uh, shoving over $5 million a year in Tuscaloosa's way. But uh, when you're able to offer a basketball coach in the SEC uh, over $3 million a year uh, and, and do it in good conscience, it, it, it opens people's eyes. And uh, we mentioned the number of people that are making under $2 million a year. And I realize you get to a certain point in your life where how much can you spend? But it never hurts to sack it away because you got kids and grandkids and all that that you want to take care of. And those are the kind of thoughts that will be going through the minds of people like Greg Marshall or, or Shaka Smart or Tom Crean or whoever it is, or even Archie Miller, uh, when Bill Battle and his representatives give him a call. Uh, we, we, we did a really good job covering, I think, all the realistic candidates. One name we didn't touch too much on, I don't really think he's a viable candidate. But I hear a lot. I hear a little talk, not a lot of talk, Drew, about Tim Floyd. Yeah, I don't believe I don't even put any any stock in it. I mean, he's at he's at Texas El Paso for a reason. Everybody remembers what happened at Southern Cal with OJ Mayo. It was an unmitigated disaster. 
at one time, you know, back during the Dave Hobbs days, I think he was a legit candidate when he was at New Orleans and, uh, and was an up-and-comer and, a, and an excellent young coach. He did a great job at Iowa State. But uh, with the, I don't think – and that's the reason Rick Stansberry – I know he's never been named in, a, in a, an investigation, but in my opinion, that's the reason someone like Rick Stansberry is not going to be at Alabama. Uh, that's the reason uh, Tim Floyd won't be at Alabama. That's the reason Bruce Pearl is never going to be at Alabama. They're not going to hire somebody and be Tyrone Beeman. Speaking of Pearl, what do you make of the situation uh, with Simeon Bowers getting suspended for the final SEC tournament game? Well, we had uh, on my show on 97.7 The Zone Talking Ball, we had Mark Murphy this past Monday of Inside the Auburn Tigers to talk about the Auburn situation and, and their run in the SEC tournament. He said, according to the people he's talked to, this will very likely be a one-game deal, and he will he is expected back at Auburn. You know, you heard rumors about maybe selling some complimentary tickets or something for profit, but I don't think it's something that's going to keep him from returning to Auburn, according to what Mark said. He's right on top of the Auburn basketball situation. So I think Bowers will be back. And uh, obviously Bruce Pearl is on 97.7 The Zone today. He's continuing to be a media machine. And whoever the new basketball coach at Alabama is is going to have to buckle up and get to work. Go and be on every radio show they can, do every TV interview they can, play every golf tournament they can, and speak to every booster club and go to every Crimson Caravan they can, which uh, is only three this year. So if you want to go to one, you better get on it. Uh, I guess I'll have to miss this year because there's not one anywhere around Birmingham. But uh, talking about Crimson Caravan, they're going to be in uh, Huntsville, Atlanta, and Dothan, and that's it. Uh, and, and, and ironically, I keep getting emails and tweets saying that they're not sold out yet. I find that hard to believe. But I'm sure they all three will be by the time they roll around. Yes, I would not be surprised at all. And my point about mentioning the Crimson Caravan is it's a chance to hear Nick Saban, but oftentimes he'll bring the basketball coach or another coach with him. Uh, along well, with, I'll, I'll tell you this, Kerry. Pardon me for interrupting you. I, I apologize. But I'll say this. If the coach is named, and he likely will be before all these uh, these three appearances, I guarantee you if it's Greg Marshall or somebody like of that ilk, uh, the tickets are going to sell out. <laughs> oh, easy, easy, yeah. I might have to bite the bullet if it's him. But uh, – <laughs> I drive to Huntsville, Atlanta one. <laughs> yeah, you can drive. Yeah, drive to Huntsville. Right, there you go. I might have to, man. I might have to. And by the way, you you mentioned the fact that uh, that you're doing a daily show for an hour a day on nine seven seven the zone. Why don't you tell our listeners how that came about and uh, where they can hear it uh, on the internet or on their cell phones or TuneIn or whatever? Well, I'm really excited. You know, it's become basically my career focus. I'm still writing for Alabama Intel, but I've always wanted to get into the radio business. Uh, since I was in college and took a speech class and, and got much better at speaking in front of people and being on the microphone, kind of got the itch when I got a chance to do some high school football back in my younger days in the mid-'90s on WTKI with Larry Smith and Jackie Pettigo and those guys. And uh, I, I love it. I, I, it's my own show. It's called Talking Ball. Well, we call it the midday break Talking Ball. And it's on 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville, Alabama. It can be heard all the way in Birmingham. Um, we, you know, we're very excited. This is in my third week of doing it from noon to one o'clock. We have usually one to two guests a show. We take calls. We talk a lot of college basketball, a lot of college football. We're going to talk a lot of recruiting when it gets cranked up. We're going to have high school. Uh, we're going to focus on high school athletics. You know, my, my second show, we had Jack Doss and Andy Blackson to talk about their state championships. And 
obviously with J.J. Jackson now, we're fostering the relationship there. I'd like to have him on my show and uh, had Kerry on the show today for his first appearance to talk about the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, to talk about the Alabama coaching search, the NIT victory, and we look forward to, uh, you know, continuing to, to build the show. Uh, I, I would like it to, to continue to grow, and I think we've had really good uh, feedback early, and we'd like the listeners to, to tune in. You can get, you can listen to it live on the Internet at www.977-977-thezone, all lowercase, .com, and just uh, listen to us live. And we also do the podcast. We record every show. So it's just been great so far, and uh, I'm really excited. To, we're trying to set up the show tomorrow. It's probably going to be the UAB Blazer Hour. After what happened today, we're efforting to get William Lee's high school coach, Willie Moore, on, and also uh, efforting to get David Crane, who is very familiar to you, uh, Kerry, the former voice of Alabama uh, baseball and Crimson Tide this week. Uh, is has now been with UAB for quite a while, and he called uh, the uh, epic win today over the Iowa State Cyclones. And, Drew, how did your show in Huntsville uh, come about? What, what was the origin of it? Well, the origin was I, I did a lot of guesting on uh, 97.7 The Zone with Wes Neighbors and Steve Moulton on The Drive, which is the, their drive time show They're, uh, you know, at, at, from 5 to 7 p.m. And I came on with them quite a bit, and uh, they, they, uh, they, we really had a good chemistry. And I had done some other shows for them called The Recruiting Insiders with David Reese and Todd Blass, and I'd also done my own Friday Night Lights scoreboard show and I got some really good feedback on that last year. And uh, they were very impressed with my recruiting knowledge. They wanted a recruiting guy on there. And uh, they and they had a they had a midday show called the Lunch Break and uh, with Tom Perkins. And uh, they finally wanted to make a change there because they wanted to go in a different direction uh, with the noon show. And they wanted to get, be more centric with college athletics and uh, we're especially recruiting. And they also wanted to have just. Uh, more of a focus on, I think, uh, high school athletics, which is what I'm going to try to bring, and that's what I wanted to bring. It was my vision for the show. And I've got to, you know, give a lot of credit to Steve Moulton for, uh, and West Neighbors especially for uh, selling the me to, uh, to to Mike Self and, and believing in me and giving me an opportunity to think I could put together a good show. So far, so good. We've had really good feedback, like I said. And uh, I just decided that, uh, that radio was something I wanted to give a shot to. I'm still getting used to the fact of hosting by myself but we're getting better every day and we want to i want the, the ultimate goal is to try to, to grow the show to a two-hour show carry and take it right into paul feinbaum every day but we were we're really excited and uh just uh th- i'm thankful to 97.7 the zone for giving me this opportunity and uh, they allowed me to cover the alabama basketball game with you this past tuesday and hopefully and I sh- we should be together in montgomery tomorrow for alabama mississippi hoops Yep, that'll be fun, a whole lot of fun. And you mentioned that, uh, and I noticed while I was on hold today coming on to talk to you, one of the sponsors of your show is actually West Neighbors and Neighbors Wealth Management. Why don't yes. you kind of bring up, uh, bring our listeners up to date on, on what former Alabama center West Neighbors is up to these days, both his careers. Oh, wow, yeah. He, he's done a lot of uh, great things with 97.7 as far as selling and uh, doing a great job getting uh, money and advertisers to do business with 97.7 The Zone. He's basically their lead sales guy, but he's, he also has, you know, Neighbors Wealth Management Firm, which is just a stone's throw in the region's, uh, in the region's uh, building, region's bank building, uh, right down from 97.7 The Zone. Matter of fact, Wes is on a working vacation this week, uh, 
you know, spending some time with some of his clients in London, England. So Wes is kind of a jet setter. He knows everybody. Uh, he, he does uh, every, he does appear on uh, the drive every Monday through Friday when he is in town uh, on 97.7 The Zone. And he's done a very good job of uh, building a career for himself with his wealth management firm. He went into the same uh, line of business as his father, Billy Neighbors, and, and now he's decided to get into the radio business. He's very good at selling. He likes to – he has a passion for uh, uh, for people, and he has a passion for the. He, he likes to be on the radio, likes to talk uh, football. He's very insightful. He played at the highest level as far as college and high school. He was a great player at Huntsville High School here in, in the Huntsville in the city of Huntsville, and then he went on to Alabama and was a very good center. Had a cup of coffee in the NFL, and everybody knows who his father was. He was a legend at Alabama, and now his two sons are. Have, have done such a great job for themselves. His young, his oldest son Wesley is on the coaching staff at Alabama and is a, a rising star in the profession. And then his uh, other son Connor, everybody knows, is the starting fullback for LSU. Uh, recently ran a four six eight forty, and uh, is looking to very, put himself in an excellent position to be uh, drafted on the third day of the NFL draft and and get a chance to further his career. He's just done a great job, and the whole family is just really good people. Carrie and uh, Wes has continued to. Uh, it's continued to become more and more of a fixture uh, on the scene, both with his wealth management firm and in the radio business. And uh, he looks like he's going uh, that he's going to be there for the long haul. And he's just done a great job of keeping 97.7 The Zone growing as a radio station. And I'm just glad to be a part of it. That's excellent. And speaking of uh, families uh, that are legendary in Alabama athletics lore, you mentioned the neighbor's family. Another legendary family in Crimson Tide sports lore not just in football, but also in baseball, is the Salem family. And uh, we are pleased now to be joined by a good friend of our show, uh, the mom of Georgie Salem, the owner of Asian Rim Restaurants in Huntsville and Birmingham, your friend of mine, Paige Hockman, one of the busiest women in America these days, but she still made time to call into bands tonight. Paige, how are you doing, pal? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good, Paige. How are you? Great to hear from you. So Drew and I Drew and I are gonna be coming to uh, have a late lunch with Paige tomorrow and uh I don't I, I've never seen Drew as excited about anything since I got him uh helping cover his first football game. <laughs> well we're looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. And yeah, Drew don't yeah. eat a late breakfast. Oh no, no, no. Well not. I'm I'm gonna be arriving hungry and looking forward to uh, the hospitality and meeting you face to face for the first time. I know we've conversed quite a bit, and uh, and I'm following as always. I follow the baseball team religiously. I'm excited to the start they've gotten off to in conference play. I know it was a little up and down during the pre during the pre conference, but the bottom line in the SEC is it's a meat grinder, and they uh, they did a great job winning a series on the road. And boy, what a statement could be made if they could take two games from an undefeated team coming up this weekend. Well, I mean, I expect us to take two games quite. Honestly, I mean, Texas A&M is 22-0, which is, you know, that's astounding. But um, they haven't really met a really strong SEC team yet. I know they just swept Auburn, but, you know, they they haven't met a really strong SEC team, in my opinion. Yeah, that that argument can definitely be made. Auburn obviously beat Alabama in the Capital Classic, but they also threw their number one pitcher in Alabama who did not throw yeah. one of their top three guys. So that's usually right. how Auburn handles that game. They want to win that game because they're that's all they think about. But Alabama, mm-hmm. well, I think it's kind of, it's, that's kind of a home game too for them. 
Yeah, and it so, is. It's, it's um, really more of an Auburn game. So, but again, yeah. uh, I've always said this, Paige. Baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. So, it's, mm-hmm. you really want to be playing well the last month, and, and hopefully, they can continue to build on their momentum. Yeah, I think that um, you know Mikey White and um, Casey Houston, the records that they're breaking right and left, and the records that they're holding right now are just. Unbelievable. I think is Casey still number one in the NCAA with his batting average? He may uh, very well be. He was hitting over six hundred at one point. I mean it right. was I think I think the poor guy may be all the way down to like four eighty five right now and I think Mikey's up around four sixty. So yeah. um they are just on fire. Well thanks. I made a plea last year. I made a plea both here on BAMS Radio on, on, and on Twitter for uh, Mitch Gaspar to let uh, your son, Georgie Salem, run the bases a little more. And uh, he's gotten off to a great start stealing bases this year. Uh, what's changed about the philosophy of run, Georgie, run? Um, I told Coach Gaspar that you said that Georgie needed to steal more bases, and he agreed with that. And so – this year we are I think last year he had nine attempts and six stolen bases and this year at you know, nineteen twenty games in, I don't even know what we are for sure. He's ten for ten on stolen bases. So I think that you know, Coach Gaspard listens to me all the time when I you know, with when I'm having my big opinions and so he just you know, I just put a good word in for me, Carrie. That's all that happens. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I saw a link and, and on if Twitter. You belie- and if you believe that, <laughs> I don't tell Coach Part anything. But um, I do think this is really what happened. I think that, you know, you've got you've to practice stealing in real games, not just at practice, but you've got to practice stealing. And this summer when Georgie played at Cape Cod, he made that a top priority to um, – practice stealing and those players up there are the best players in the country and so if you can steal on them then you should be able to bring that um back to the sec so that's really um you know he he's one of the fastest players in college baseball so he should be stealing a lot of bases and i think that with 10 for 10 that puts him um around third or fourth right now in sec for stolen bases and he's a competitor so you know, when, when he's up there with other players, uh, you know, it's something like that. He wants to remain at the top. So I'm just really, really proud of him. And, and listen, all of our stolen bases have gone up for all of our players. I think we were dead last in the SEC as we finished last year in stolen bases. And I, I think most of our players just really didn't like coming in last in that category. So uh, I'm going to be surprised if they're not up there at first or second at the end of the season. And, you know, Casey Houston is, is, unfortunately for Alabama, he's a draft-eligible sophomore. But fortunately uh-huh. for Alabama, he, he, Paige, he's having a season that looks like Robert Redford in the natural. It's really been incredible. And um, I, this is kind of a funny story. I was um, having dinner with Georgie and Ryan Blanchard, who's our left fielder, at, in the airport out in Houston, and, you know, Casey just had another phenomenal day. And, you know, the whole team just really, they really get along very, very well. And they're extremely, an extremely tight-knit group. And uh, Georgie and Ryan were just shaking their head. They said, you know, it's just not fair. 
I mean, the guy's got a 550 batting average, and he's the best-looking guy on the team. <laughs> it's actually 473. I just read an email from uh, Alex Thompson, the new media relations guy from baseball. He's 473. But that's a, that's a heck of a start that Casey's had. And, you know, Mikey White is, is giving Alabama yet another solid year. And mm-hmm. he's a junior, obviously going to be eligible for the draft. Certainly, uh, he seems to be going out in style, Paige. Right. He is um, – I think he's leading the SEC in triples right now, or maybe he's tied with five triples, which is virtually impossible to do in the SEC. You know, he's just hes just amazing. He's, and with doubles, too. I mean, he, he and Casey Houston – and I think Kyle Overstreet is up there, too, um, with doubles. I know Kyle's up there with RBIs. All three of those guys have just a tremendous amount of RBIs. Uh, Mikey's five triples are tied for the national and conference lead. And uh, he's third in runs scored in the SEC and 21st nationally. But let's get back mm-hmm. to Georgie. Um Georgie had a little bit of a batting slump when they were on the road in Mobile, but he seems to have really bounced back from that. Uh, what has he done to get himself back in the groove at the plate? Well, he's just been working a lot. He's been in the cage all the time this past um, week or two, just really trying to work some things out. You know, hitting is, is so cyclical with batters. You know, you can go through a period of time where the ball looks like an aspirin going 120 miles an hour up to the plate, and then just all of a sudden it looks like a grapefruit coming to the plate. And um, it's looked like a grapefruit for several of our players, and I hope it continues <laughs> to be that way for them. And then I think Georgie's kind of starting to get in that groove as well. And, you know, it, it's hitting's contagious, and um, I'm hoping that he'll catch a little bit more of that, that hitting from Mikey and Casey. And some of the other guys are just doing a tremendous job you know, um, Riley Colburn has really stepped up as a freshman. Chandler Avance really stepped up as a freshman. And they are just killing it. I mean, they want to play. They want to be out there. They want to start. They want a starting position. And they are working like they want a starting position. And, and they've earned that. So, you know, I'm happy for them. And, you know, the guys just all really, they want to win. They want to go all the way. And they're they're up against a gigantic seat if they do that just because they don't play any home games basically. They have no home field. You know, Hoover Met is their pseudo home, but it's not Tuscaloosa and they don't have the right field ragers and and all the fans there and you know, that's just one thing like I I just wish that a lot more people, a lot more Bama fans would come out and support them at the Hoover Met because that really does make a difference. Yeah, well said. Page. And I was just looking at some of the stats, though. I'm happy for a young guy right now that he stuck around for four years. He, when he was a freshman, it looked like he would be a three and out and he was going to have a great uh, career, but he, he kind of had a little bit of ups and downs, but he's matured. And it looks like Taylor Gilbo is, is taking the Friday night role and uh, oh, yeah. he's done really well. He, he, he looks yeah. really good. Right? His stat line's really good. And, and I know uh, another guy I'm happy for because, he, you know, he had a little bit of a rough year last year, but it looks like Ray Castillo is uh, much more comfortable this season. Yeah. Yeah, Ray, I'm so happy and so proud of Ray because he has just he has just toughened up mentally so much that I mean, you can just see it. I mean, when he when he comes out of the bullpen to the mound, you can tell he's he's going to do his job and he's done a wonderful job this year. 
Uh, he had a, a rough year last year, but he has just really turned all that around. Taylor Gilbo, I don't know what that boy has been doing, but <laughs> he just comes out there and he's just the boss on Friday night. He's so much fun to watch, and his confidence is incredible. You know, he's he's just absolutely done a phenomenal job, and I'm just so proud of him for doing that. You know, he has goals and dreams too, and he will probably be drafted because he's a, what six three lefty, and he's yes. throwing you know ninety three, ninety four sometimes. So, you know, I I, I wish great things for Taylor, and I, I think that he's going to have a bright future in front of him. Well, I will say this and give Mitch Gaspard and Andy Phillips. I'm sure Andy had a lot to do with it as far as pulling this string. But I think uh, what I read was, and he and he talked to the media about it, Andy Pettit came down and talked to him in the preseason and kind of uh-huh. gave him a pep talk. And when uh-huh. you're getting a pep talk from one of the best left-handed pitchers of his era, and one of the especially as far as big game pitcher, he may not make the Hall of Fame, but he'll be on the fringe. And I think he should be heavily considered. But that had to that give uh, Taylor a lot of confidence and and help his mental approach going into his uh, senior year. It did, it did. And, you know, Taylor's whole entire family travels to all of his games. I mean, Taylor has probably, on average, 10 to 12 immediate family members, you know, both sets of grandparents. And he just has a wonderful support group around him, and that makes a huge difference, too, when a player has got that. And they're just all pulling for him, as all of us are. And I think he kind of feeds off that energy the Andy Pettit talk definitely helped but he just has an entirely different um demeanor this year altogether yeah he does and and one other player I wanted to ask you about and you you know them all personally and you see just about every game I have only seen little snippets of video I have not seen a game live yet hope to change that soon but uh, he's someone that kind of flew under the radar for me going into the fall baseball and into this season but Talk about J.C. Wilhite. He's been a two-way guy on the mound and at the plate. Uh, I think he's a Tuscaloosa native, but he's had a big, bigger impact than I anticipated. Well, and I hate that Alabama will have him next year because he he's just a rowdy go-getter, like, what do I need to do, coach? I'll do it. Let me, let me try. You know, he had never pitched before, and last fall he decided that he wanted to be a D1 pitcher in the SEC. Who does that? But that's true. he did. He did, and he throws a sidearm pitch, and they brought him in to pitch. I think it – I don't even remember when it was. You don't have to look at your intel there, Drew. But anyway, he just basically came in and showed out and just struck everybody out. It was incredible. If you need him to play left field, he'll play left field. If you want him to DH, he'll DH. If you want to put him at third base or wherever you want to put him, he's just a, a true utility guy and he will do whatever it takes to get the job done. And I just love his energy and enthusiasm. I wish that we had him before now, and I I wish that, you know, I hate that we've only got him for this year. No doubt, no doubt. He's just done a great job on the mound. That's uh, another great family, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's another great family. They travel with him. Yeah, and I've heard him say that's all he ever wanted to do is an Alabama baseball player, and, with what mm-hmm. you're, the insights you give into his approach, you can tell it means a lot to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's, he's a get it done kind of guy. Paige, I wanted to give you one more chance to brag about your son because I think that all three of us know that great defense in baseball starts up the middle. We have a catcher, mm-hmm. Will Haynes, that's throwing people out left and right. 
We have, in my mm-hmm. opinion, the best double double play combination in second base with mm-hmm. Kyle Overstreet and shortstop Mikey White. And then defensively, uh, something I didn't even realize about Georgie Salem is that he hasn't committed an error since 2013. He's gone 83 games without an error. The school record's 84 by Jeremy Brown ending in 2002. And if Georgie does not commit an error against A&M tomorrow night, he will tie that record. And if he goes Saturday without one, he'll be the new school record holder for consecutive games without an error. And that really says a lot about the defense of Alabama up the middle with all four of those young guys. Well, I did not know that, so I'm really glad to, to know that statistic. However, I will not be sharing that statistic with him because <laughs> I don't want to jinx him. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, Georgie, well, you're going to see, for anybody who's listening who happens to go to the game tomorrow night or listens to the game, you're going to see two of the best center fielders in college baseball, and that would be Nick Banks for Texas A&M and Georgie Salem. And, you know, he is my child, but um, – he, you know, he's he's definitely one of the best. He's extremely exciting to watch. You know, he makes very difficult catches that would be difficult for anybody to look easy. And then he will catch, make catches that are impossible for probably 98 to 99% of the center fielders in NCAA baseball. So, some of his catches just they, they just kind of he makes them look easy, but really they're really not that easy. Um, I, I'm just really proud of him. Nick Banks is just another outstanding center fielder. Uh, Nick will probably be a high first round draft choice after this year, and I'm pretty sure he's draft eligible now that I'm saying that. But I think he's a junior. Um, Nick has I think a 4.25 batting average or something like that. He's a pretty big guy, but you're going to see a lot of really talented players in the outfield this weekend with, with Alabama and Texas A&M. Another guy I wanted to ask you about, and uh, I, I know it feels like he's a freshman, but he's actually a junior. Uh, first, let me turn the clock back to when you and I were down there as, uh, as students. I'm a little older than you, but we had some years that went together. There was a gentleman playing safety for Paul Bryant by the name of Rocky Colburn. Uh-huh. And uh, you, men- you mentioned his son briefly earlier. Right, I believe yes. he's basically a walk-on, uh, but yeah. he is considered a junior now. He only played eight games last year and only played mm-hmm. ten games as a redshirt freshman, so he's a junior. Mm-hmm. He has come from out of nowhere to take mm-hmm. basically, God bless Ryan Blanchard, but Raleigh Colburn has taken that job in left field and he's basically mm-hmm. a walk-on. He may be getting books or something like that, but he's not getting much. And I, I wanted to just get your reaction on the road that, that Riley Colburn has taken from basically a walk-on to being the starting left fielder at Alabama. Well, he he really works extremely hard. Now, Ryan Blanchard had a devastating injury down at Lafayette, Louisiana last year when he ran into a brick wall down there and just busted his knee in a million places. So, unfortunately, at the start of the season, especially night games or when it's been wet out, Ryan Blanchard's knee just gives him some fits, some pretty good fits. So, that has been a challenge for him. It slows him down when it's cold. Subsequently, we've needed somebody out there. And Riley has sort of stepped into that position and his bat has has gotten hot. That's what's happened. Um, 
and when your back gets hot and, you know, Ryan is is having to sit on the bench because of an injury that happened last year because of, and I'm serious when I say this, it, it's totally weather-related because Ryan has done a phenomenal job in left field, and Ryan is also a very powerful hitter. I don't necessarily, now, you know, if Riley keeps hitting, he's probably going to continue to be the starting left fielder. But I don't look for Ryan Blanchard to be completely left out of the picture either for the rest of the year. Because Ryan well, has the, the you know, there, paid his dues. Right, and, and, and I, I don't disagree with that. But uh, another guy I wanted you to talk about that could that could make that happen is Chandler Avant. Because if Chandler Avant is the starting third baseman, that leaves not only left field open, but it also leaves DH open for the possibility of getting some, some contributions from Ryan or Riley. Right, right. Well, J.C. Wilhite's in there. Ryan is in there. You know, you might have Daniel Cujan that might come in and DH sometime. Um, you know, I, I think that the left field position, I think it's a temporary starting position for Riley that could turn into a permanent starting position if his bat stays hot. That's fair. That's that's the kind of tidbits that, that we love because that you can bring that. You know, the only two callers we have that can bring those kind of tidbits are you and Roger Myers. And uh, we'll have Roger <laughs> Roger's, Roger uh, knows a lot more than I do. <laughs> well, but he doesn't know all the intricacies of the families and all that. You know, he, 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 he does know the stats and he knows the lineups, no question. And uh, we what, what we're going to do with your permission is uh, the nights that we do have Roger call in, is we're just going to let Asian Rim sponsor those calls as well. Oh, sure. That's wonderful. We love that. We need everybody to come out this weekend and try our new brunch we're doing. We're doing a brunch from 9 to 2 Saturday and Sunday that is just going to feature some really phenomenal food. So for any brunch eaters out there, you know, we'd love to see you at Asian Rim. Well, tell them, is that going to be available in Huntsville and Birmingham? Birmingham only, sorry to say right now. But we're planning on starting brunch in Huntsville within a month. So that's kind of right around the corner. For the listeners on the live broadcast as well as the podcast that will go up later tonight, Paige, go ahead and tell them the exact locations in Huntsville and Birmingham, and then after that tell sure. them a little bit about what's on the on the varied menu that, that has something that everybody can love. Okay. Well, the new uh, Asian Rim, which has been open three months now, is located in downtown Huntsville right across from the hospital um, at 720 Gallatin Street. And it's kind of down there where the new Publix is. It's just a really beautiful build-out. There's a private room for private dining. We've got an express uh, grab-and-go where you, if you're in a hurry and you want to get something quick, got a full bar situation and a full dining room. And we've just hired uh, Wolfgang Puck's protege, uh, Chef Christophe Ithuris, who was born in France, to take over our culinary development. Um, for Asian Rim, so we're really super excited about that. He's just a, a really talented guy for Huntsville to have, and so I hope that you know that Huntsvillians will go uh, check out Wolfgang Puck's protege up there. And then we have the Birmingham location, which is at the Colonnade. And if you're familiar with the Colonnade on 280, we kind of back up to where the, the Cracker Barrel restaurant is, and we have indoor outdoor seating at both places. So while it's beautiful weather. You know, to come on out and sit out on the patio and have a cocktail, have some sushi, and, and visit and listen to some good music. 
and tell them a little bit about the uh, the menu because there's something on that menu that anybody can find that they like, whether it's uh, Thai food or American food or whatever. Exactly. Well, we offer um, a, a wonderful variety of sushi. Um, it's very fresh, very creative, uh, just wonderful sushi. We have authentic Thai if you're a Thai fan. And we also have an American menu, which means, you know, barbecue, barbecue sliders, burgers, steak, chicken. So if you have someone in your group who's just not a big fan of sushi, there is something for them on the menu. We also have a kid's menu, which is our ninja menu. So and we're, we welcome kids at Asian Rim. And, uh, you know, our prices are extremely reasonable. Uh, there's something for everyone. We have soups that start at four ninety five and I think our most expensive entree is around twenty eight dollars maybe, something like that. So there's definitely also tell, something for everyone. And I will tell the people listening something else about Asian Rim. I'm a very picky person when I go to a restaurant about the service and the food and everything. I've, I've waited tables at Shoney's. I've waited tables at Ruby Tuesday's. I've even waited tables at Cypress Inn and Tuscaloosa. So I know what it means to be a good server at a nice restaurant. And let me tell you, I've been to Asian Rim at the Colonnade at least four times, and every time I've gotten great service, they, they constantly check on you to make sure you don't need to refill on your drink and whatever. They, they make sure the food's okay. Uh, you know, as far as wait staffs go, I would say that uh, Asian Rims is, is second to nine page. Well, thank you, Carrie. That means a lot to me. Uh, you know, Chris Arvin is our manager at the Colonnade, and he works extraordinarily hard uh, with the staff to uh, make sure that they do bring the best service. And, and they're just like a little family down there. They they help each other. They get along well. Uh, we don't have a lot of drama going on within the staff. And, you know, that, that means a lot. And leadership is where that comes from and, and Chris Arvin is just a phenomenal leader and we're really really lucky to have him and also uh, I don't want to break my arm pat myself on the back but uh, I, I think uh, it needs to be known that a BAMS radio co-host played a role in Sunday's national anthem singer at the Hoover Met oh that's right that's this weekend um, Jeff Meese from American Idol is going to be singing the national anthem, I think, on Sunday. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, she's excited about that. She sang at the Alabama hockey game when Alabama and Auburn played, which, of course, we won. Um, and she was amazing. She got a, a, you know, a big, big round of applause when she finished. A lot of chill bumps. Yep, and she uh, she's actually sung it twice there, and the second time that she sung it at the uh, Pelham Civic Center, the mic malfunctioned, and she, the trooper she is, she just went on and sung it and still brought the house down. But uh, this will be her first time to sing the anthem at a uh, Alabama varsity sport, not a club sport. So what right, I'm hoping, exactly. and, I, and I did send a number of emails to the marketing department to get them in touch with her, and, and apparently it worked because... She is going to be out there. She was unable to attend the tryouts because she had a conflict in another city, part of her singing career. But they have uh, they have got it worked out for her to sing the anthem uh, at the Sunday game. I believe that's a one o'clock game, if I'm not mistaken, Paige. Uh, yes, it is. So uh, three o'clock Saturday, out, uh, seven o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, seven three, and then one Sunday. A uh, and M is, is ranked like fourth in the country. They're twenty two and zero. Uh, fifth in the country, I'm sorry. Alabama's got a chance to make another statement, so we invite uh, everyone 
to come out to the Hoover Vet this weekend and support the Crimson Tide baseball and hey, program. Carrie, hey, Carrie, by the way, it's Military Appreciation Weekend, so all military, they can get in free if you, I think there's like a promotional code on RollTide.com that they need to, to bring to the stadium. But anyway, all military get in free. And I think Friday night is Dollar Hot Dog Night, too. So, you know, Dollar Hot Dogs. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, Paige, thank you so much for calling in. Drew and I look forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow afternoon around 3 or 3.30 for a late lunch. And uh, you've always been a great caller. I know you're extremely busy. But I just want to really thank you for your time tonight and the insights you provided and and giving us a chance to talk a little bit about the rim. No problem. And uh, I really do appreciate you guys um, allowing me to be on the show, and I always enjoy listening to you. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Paige. Great hearing from you. Thank you, ma'am. See you we'll tomorrow. see you tomorrow. That's, all right. Roll Tide. That's Paige Hoffman. Roll Tide. Mom of Georgie Salem and owner of Asian Rim uh, Thai Restaurant, both in Huntsville on Gallatin and in Birmingham at the Colonnade. And uh, really hoping that uh, I'll actually get maybe a chance to meet Jessica Muse in person. But I actually did play a role in that, Drew. I sent a number of emails to the marketing folks at Alabama, and they finally were able to get in touch with her. And it, it, she's been wanting to sing at a major event. She did do the hockey game. And, uh, by the way, before we leave the air, shout-out to the Crimson Tide hockey team, uh, which made uh, the National Elite Eight in the tournament they hosted in Pelham. Michigan State ended up winning the tournament. Alabama tied them, and the tie caused them not to advance to the finals. But uh, Alabama did uh, finish in the Elite Eight and uh, finished third in the SEC, had a wonderful season in hockey. So we'll have to have Coach Q on again in a couple weeks to kind of recap the season, Coach Mike Quinneville, another Huntsville guy. But – that's uh, that, that's so. We, I did not want to be. Uh, it was a bit of a remiss not to mention the wonderful season that just finished out. They again an elite eight finish in the nation for the Alabama hockey team. Drew. Yeah, no doubt about it. Coach Q's done a great job there, growing a club sport uh, from scratch, and yet another sport that's on the way up at the University of Alabama. Now basketball on the men's side and women's side just needs to keep up their end of the deal. Right, and we feel good about the women's tire and Christy Curry. We both got to meet her a couple weeks ago at the state tournament. And we feel good about the fact that uh, the Coach Bill Battle is going after top-tier names like Greg Marshall, like Tom Green, maybe even Shaka Smart or even Archie Miller. Somebody with a big name is going to end up coaching the Alabama basketball program, unifying the fan base, and filling up the Coliseum. So uh, we hope to have a little more info on that next week on BAM Radio. But for now, we're going to close it out. So for Thomas Watts of Tennessee, Alabama, for Drew Yarmont of Alabama Intel, I'm Kerry Clark with BamaMag.com. Wishing you good night and roll tide. You've been listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll tide.